freaking middle school boy, friend, you know, male friends wanted to see this film. And I, yeah. and I, and I, and I t- told them I was going to go. And then my dad was like, what movie are you seeing? Like 30 minutes before I was leaving. And I was like, bedazzled. And he was like, is that the movie with uh, the devil? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you think you should be seeing that movie? And I was like, no. <laughs> Your dad practiced like psychological warfare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was real good at it. And then I like called my friends and I was like, I can't come see it. They were like, why? It's PG-13 because at this point they already knew I couldn't see R-rated films. And I and they were like, and I was like, I know but it has the devil in it. And they made fun of me forever. <laughs> <laughs> to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. And I'm Casey. And Casey has to keep it down today. <laughs> Damn, I'm, uh, I'm at an unsecure location, and so I'm, I'm going to have to use my NPR voice, you know, and really get into your ear. Yeah, it's making me horny. It's weird. <laughs> me too. I'm self-sufficient yeah. in that way. <laughs> Uh, okay, Casey, I'm going to throw you right into it because I had forgotten last week we didn't get to do an intro because of scheduling conflicts and technical difficulties. But uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about uh, mission stuff. I mentioned the missions cruise that my wife had gone on in college, but you had a missions trip story that you were pretty excited to share. And uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and make you tell that right now yeah so i think it was the summer between my junior and senior year i think it was my church was big on missions they supported a lot of missionaries some of them were like if they're good christians they would be right right the gospel missions is great because if if you are very convicted about missions you can throw some money at that and that doesn't require you to do anything which is pretty cool (laughs) It doesn't cost you a Saturday or anything like that. But uh, so they supported like some some Americans that were abroad. They also supported some people who were just like uh, ministers and stuff in their local country. And one such uh, family was in Mexico. It was like this old American couple that had gone down there years ago and had worked with local churches or something doing I don't know what. And then they were really tied in with this Mexican family. And the, the husband was like the pastor of the church down there. So we planned this big missions trip where we were all going to like, we were going to go down to Mexico um, via bus. So we flew from Michigan to El Paso and then nice. took a bus like 10 hours over the border into uh, a city called Peral. Peral? I think is pronounced. I don't know. No one's going to check and, your geography. <laughs> well, like, okay. So our, our mission was to minister to the Mexican youth through basketball. Nice. Yeah. Cause if That's there's one classic, thing that we actually. knew it was sports, 
That's yeah. Our school was full of gifted athletes. Take a bunch like of suburban myself. white kids and bring them to a place where that's, you know, where they can do that when they want to uh, from suburbia and then bring them to a place where that's just what they do probably all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were not good at sports at all. I mean, like I was, I started on the high school basketball team from fifth grade all the way through my senior year. And I was five, six or less the entire time. And most yeah. of the time couldn't run, you know, more than like 30 feet at a time. <laughs> it, my jump was non-existent. Like I, none of us were any good and it took everyone to play. So everyone played or else we didn't get to have a team. Oh, one of those. Yeah. That's uh, like very, yeah. That is how, how my uh, my foster son's sports teams went this past year. It was like, if not their football team was like that, like so few kids are playing. Obviously, COVID <laughs> had a factor in that. But I'm like, I went to their first game and it was like, I look at their team and then you look across the field at the other team and they have like four times as many players. And you're like, oh, they're not going to be able to sub out anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's about how it was. So they were like, hey, look, we're going to do two things. We are going to do uh, we're going to enter you guys, our team here in a basketball tournament in Peral. And then uh, the rest of the week, we're going to be doing basketball camps for like the kids there. And you guys will help teach the camps, which, you know, sounds fine. Right. So the basketball tournament was first. We drive like 10 hours into Mexico watching pirated movies with English <laughs> subtitles. I remember we watched The Incredible Hulk, like not the uh, Edward Norton one, but the one where Eric Bana fights poodles and schnauzers or something like that. You remember that one? Yeah, that one was like, like that was like the first one they made in that first round of like, we're making Marvel movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was I tried to watch that three times and I never finished it. Oh, dude, it's bad. Yeah, I think it does have Jennifer Connelly in it, so it can it only does. be so bad, you know, yeah. but I remember I was sick with sick with a stomach bug and I tried to watch that movie and I still couldn't get through it, even though I had nothing to do and I was on the couch <laughs> and there were no other movies to watch. I just turned it off and was like, I'm just going to sit here in silence. This movie's that bad. And I had zero like zero taste at that point i had like i wasn't critical of film in any way and for me to be that bored during a movie meant that it was pretty horrendous yeah the, the one that we watched on the bus was definitely filled with a camcorder in somebody's lap at the movie theater like <laughs> super eight style it kind of turns every movie into a found footage sort of yeah. feel you know oh, yeah. i could never Just watch bootleg movies i never was able to do it i hated that like feel of someone like just recording it on a and now it's so much easier you used to actually have to smuggle in a camera in the back now like back then now it's just like people just like hold up their phones and record for two hours and it probably comes out like pretty decent quality <laughs> yeah maybe i haven't checked in on pirated movies in a while yeah you know so but i bet you're right <laughs> so we get to Peral and we stayed at a hotel downtown and stuff which was pretty i mean it's a nice place and the first thing is the basketball tournament. So in order for us to get into this tournament and have people enough people to play and stuff like that, like everybody had to play. So all of the boys played. Uh, some of the leaders played as well. And I don't know what we thought. I don't know if we thought, like if we honestly thought that like no one played basketball in Mexico. 
but we get to this tournament and we're playing against like local college teams. No way. Dude, it was the biggest. I mean, it was so humiliating. Like we got beat <laughs> by like we got beat by like 80 points. Like the first game. <laughs> I don't know if we played more than one game. I think we got so blown out in the first game that was it. <laughs> And you got to show them the love of Christ with your with your humbleness and your meekness and your loss. Exactly. Is that right? Did you try to use, yeah, we, turn that into a witnessing tool? Oh, I yeah. We lost with grace. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. so the rest of the week is going to be these basketball camps. But you just watch now? Oh, no. It was tournament one day, and now you're doing basketball camps. Yeah. But uh, – you know they're doing these camps like at like just a local park, right? And I I think the the family there had been like spreading the word among the local kids and stuff. But we were there during like a rainy part of the year, so it rained almost every day. So we spent like a week down there, and we only did one day worth of basketball camps. I mean, it was it was a lot of ministry in one day, but still, yeah, you know. I mean, you definitely got your money's worth for what you spent on the trip. Definitely got. Right. Certainly would not have been better spent, like, you know, mm. skipping plane tickets and food and lodging and stuff and just sort of giving that money to the local community. I mean, I, that's lame. Nobody I'm wants sure to do that. I'm sure each one of your plane tickets, I'm sure the cost of each one of your plane tickets could have dug at least three wells for communities that didn't have clean drinking water. Like, I hear what you're saying, but like, what would I get out of that? That's true. And did you take pictures <laughs> while you were there? I took a few. Yeah, so, I had the okay. wind up camera. Okay. No, no, because now that makes sense. I didn't realize you needed the pictures and you showed them to people. Did you, when you got back, did you have like a big, like, we share about our experience in front of the church? Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Testimony. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we just spent like most of the week just sort of wandering around Peral and like going to these church services at night and stuff. And I, Hey, look, it was a fun trip. I'm not going to lie. I had a great time, Yeah, but we didn't do much ministering. Uh, we mostly like shopped and ate street food and, uh, you know, just goofed around and whatnot. But, uh, we, we were staying at this hotel, but like the family, the American couple, the old couple that was there, like wanted to like cook for us and stuff like that. And I mean, it's a whole group of us, like teenagers and everything. They're trying to cook for all of us in their tiny house. And, and, you know, it was, it just wasn't working very well. Mm -hmm. Like they just really didn't have the facilities to provide for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So we ate this old lady's cooking all week and it was bad. <laughs> I mean, like really bad. And, that is, you know, that is such a horrible thing for you to say. As you're insulting their culture, and you have no idea. It could have been amazing, and you are just your unrefined suburban palate, man. Well, look, I think that's. I mean, at the time, maybe I didn't realize it, but I think that's part of what made it so rewarding was just the suffering that. Yes. That went along with it. The suffering's part of the joy that you get at the end, you know? That's true. It's another jewel in your crown, Casey. That's <laughs> yeah. I like bad enchiladas for a week, so where's that's, <laughs> how big's that jewel? <laughs> Pretty big. <laughs> so uh they were really sweet people. And the the Mexican family that we worked with while we were there or that entertained us while we were there, 
they were great <laughs> and they had like cute little kids and they were just fantastic i'm sure they were just scratching their heads like going like what are we doing but anyway so we we eat the old ladies cooking all week it's pretty rough um so we get in the bus at the end of the week and we start driving so we drive back to el paso it's like 11 hours in the bus um and you know like all the all the typical things when you leave the country that people tell you like don't drink the water and stuff like that right i thought i had done that uh but i don't know what happened to me during that trip but something got in me some sort of (laughs) demon it was a uh, demon. It was it was something bad. It caused that was more the pain and suffering I'm talking about, I guess, than the than the cooking. It was it was weeks of suffering. Yeah. So we get back to El Paso, and they're gonna they want to take us to dinner, right? And where's the best place in the world to take a whole group full of starving teenagers? There's an old country buffet there. You guys have those up there? Yeah, uh, I've been to one. I don't remember where they are, if they're like in New England or if I hit those in Virginia. Uh, they weren't exactly on my like premier destination spot list. Well, that's so good. I didn't, I didn't make it to them too often, but I feel like I do remember them as a child. When I was in sixth grade, we thought it was like the greatest place ever. But uh, yeah, as you get older, you, you kind of get disenchanted with buffets, I think. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to a buffet and you're spending less than $15 for that, you're probably not eating at a great buffet. Right. So we go to Old Country Buffet, whole group, and like, I don't know a lot about the restaurant industry, but I can tell you with certainty that they lost money that night. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we wrecked this place. Like, Was there a group it like a... <laughs> I don't know. I hope they charged us enough because, dude, we hit this place hard. And uh, Jesse, who was on Friday Fellowship the other day, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was there. I remember Jesse like going up and getting an entire plate of, of desserts, putting ice cream on top, and then just like swirling it together with a spoon and eating <laughs> that like slurry of trash. That's disgusting. <laughs> but also something everyone in high school youth group has seen or done. Yeah, yeah, that's standard fare. That's like mixing all the sodas at the uh, fountain. The suicide, is that what they call them? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I, like everyone called them when I was in high school. (laughs) So we we go back to the hotel afterwards and we're all just like, like taking, you you probably had to take us in in wheelbarrows. We we like couldn't walk, we ate so much. (laughs) And it's getting pretty late. The pool at the hotel, the hotel's like one of those, the building is laid out like a hollow square, right? So there's a big courtyard in the middle and then all the rooms are outward or inward facing into the courtyard, open air, right? So you've got like open staircases going up to each level and then you go all the way to the bottom pools there. The pool's closed. They've got all the lights off and stuff, but there's nobody around. So we're like, let's go swimming. So we all change clothes. We go, we hop the fence and we're hanging out in the pool and I remember where like everybody's down there, like all of like pretty much the whole group. And I remember like we're swimming and having fun and stuff. And I just felt like this twinge in my stomach. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, 
Ow. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see you later, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I kept swimming. And then it happened again. And this time, like if the first time was like it tapping me on the shoulder, the second time was like it just like gave me a titty twister. Like, 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 oh, no, this has to happen now. (laughs) So like I, I get to the end of the pool, I climb out. I, I take off and I'm I'm kind of on a like a light jog. I round the corner and I start going up the stairs. I slipped and fell on the stairs. <laughs> I I get back up. I get to the top because we were on the third floor, if I remember right. I I run back to the room and I don't have a key. One of the other kids has a key and he was this kid. He got really sick of everyone else during the trip, so he was really not feeling the whole thing anymore. Very ready to go home. And I'm like, dude, open the door. You got to open the door. You got to open the door. And so he's like slowly like getting the keys out and shuffling through them. I feel like he had like put them on a key ring for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. He's a strange guy. Anyways, he finally opens the door. I like bolt in. And of course, there's like four of us or five of us sharing a room because, you know, that's how it was. Oh, yeah. I like run into the bathroom, slam the door. I go to like tug my swim trunks down but they're tied like really tight around my waist. Cause I was like paranoid about jumping in and them like coming out. Oh like, yeah. My butt popping out. In yeah. It's a regular fear making sure. Yeah. That's the, it's you got to make sure that things tied tight. You don't want to mess right. around with that. That's experience talking. Like I've seen that happen. I've seen some butts Yeah. <laughs> at youth group activities, but uh, I tugged once tugged twice. And that was it. It was, it just, it all, everything, <laughs> like a week's worth of, of bad food and jogging and sweating and all, like it all came out at once <laughs> into, into my swim trunks, like through the fishnet. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was, it was like, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever panicked like that. Like I've been in some dangerous situations. I've seen some people get potentially like really hurt, but I don't think anything matches the panic of like crapping your pants in public. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that people are like right out there, they're going to smell it for sure. That's, that's going to, that must've smelled horrendous. Oh, it did. It was terrible. Uh, and like you, what do you do once it's happening? What do you do? <laughs> you like, take a shower. Like, right like trying to get my trunks down, but I can't get them off. And so I just like, <laughs> I just like stood with one foot in the toilet. <laughs> just no. the whole thing was a disaster. And yeah, I just like transferred to the shower and spent like 30 minutes just trying to uh, wash the wash shame off of me. Uh. <laughs> and I come out of the, the bathroom at the end, and it's like such a tiny room anyways, and it, I've been in there steaming it for yeah, like right. 30 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I walk out into the room, and Jesse and my buddy Alex and Josh, they're all like, oh my God, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> And yeah, that was that was like the story that defined me for a long time. Maybe until I got married, you know, that was like the defining moment in my life. That dude, it could have been way worse. You could have like done that hoist up to jump out of the pool and just sprayed down. Oh, the pool. just like 
like land on your gut, like slip, land on your gut, <laughs> just like yep. like a toothpaste tube. Oh, dude, there's nothing worse though than that. Like that, it is a panic feeling. Like you, your whole body starts sweating, your face gets. Swe- I'm like, I remember one time. I don't think I shared this story, but it was on our way back from Virginia, going back home to visit family. Uh, we would always drive straight through the night. I would like. You know, I'd get home from work. I'd go to bed. We'd wake up at like one, two o'clock in the morning. So that way we could just like be there by the next morning. And we got like a, a McDonald's breakfast or whatever. I still I haven't eaten McDonald's breakfast since this happened. I It just went <laughs> right through. Impactful. But when you're driving and you're like, it's, I mean, it's four, three, four in the morning. Not, not a lot's open. Like you're like. Looking for those like open 24 hour signs, right? We're just like every one of us, like it hit, I mean, it hit me and Jill. It was just like, we both felt awful, but it hit me like so much worse. So I'm like, it's like, you, you really start shaking and sweating. You're like, this is, this is, I have to deal with the fact that I might shit my pants in the car right now. Like, and then what do you do? Like, or (laughs) I have to get out. I got to pull over, but you keep thinking like, I'll just make it to the next one. So finally we get to a, I like a gas station that's open and I like run to the bathroom and go to pull the door open and it just doesn't move because someone's in there and occupied and you're just, you're already inside now. Like you're not going to just, it's not like you're on the highway. You could just pull over in the dark and shit on the side of the road or something. And then have you to start, figure you out s- what to do. Yeah. You start eyeballing the women's bathroom oh, and thinking yeah. like, could I, could, would anybody know? Yeah. Is it's it, not a crime. It lock? I mean, I could. It's definitely. I don't think it's a crime, but I'm like it maybe pacing. should be. Yeah, I'm pacing. Back you shouldn't and forth. do that to a women's bath. Yeah, and of course, I made it. I was fine, but it was. That is a like that put that gives you like an existential panic of like, and everyone's everyone's experienced that of like I. This is the moment that I might shit my pants publicly. I mean, you you had that moment, so congratulations. But yeah, that was. That was like, that was the first instance of like, oh no, something's wrong. Like, I think I'm sick. And dude, like I, I worked for my, my parents at that point during the summers and they had their warehouse like behind our house, but it was maybe like 200 yards back and there was no bathroom in the warehouse. And I just remember like working out in the warehouse and like, six times a day having to jog 200 yards up the hill to get to the bathroom and like barely making it every time but at least it was home (laughs) oh my god that's what your punishment though for uh for going on a missions trip so high school missions trip it was a rite of passage right high school missions trips were like rites of passage name a kid who didn't grow up in like any like if you grew up in evangelical church uh, and you didn't go on a missions trip then you were a rebellious kid that didn't love the lord is what that comes down to right yeah like uh it was so it was something that had to be done if nothing else just so your parents could get rid of you for a week yeah and i mean kids i i definitely was like I, I thought I wanted to do it for the right reasons too. I'm like, Oh, I really want to be part of this. I think this is a good thing, but I know in the, like a big part of that was just wanting to go on a trip. Like I didn't travel. That was a, it was a way to go on a trip. And 
there was, I even remember having an inner conflict of, over it thinking like, I, I want to do this. It's fun, but it can't just be fun. Like you need to, if it's just fun, then I'm going to feel really guilty and I need to make sure that, you know, I'm doing all the stuff that I can to make it worth it. And as, when you could have just, you know, what we were, I was homeschooled. There was no uh, senior trip or, and I never did a spring break in college or anything like that. So like, that's, that was it for me. Mission trip was my only, uh, in my honeymoon. Those were my only experiences outside the country. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people were like that. Yeah. I know uh, my wife, April, she's going to be on the podcast here in a, in a week or so. And uh, she went on a big trip to Nicaragua when she was in high school. And so I, I know that was like one of the few big things she ever got to do as a kid, you know, and, yeah. and that's how it was for a lot of kids. But I feel like short term missions in general are usually not great. You know, if you if you're going in the United States, like I remember some of the kids from church, there was like some bad flooding in the Carolinas or something like yeah. that one year. And so they all went to the Carolinas and they helped like clean up some of the, the, the wreckage and stuff like that. Like that, you know, I, that sounds good. It's just, it gets weird when you're, you know, you've got a cumulative, like 25 grand worth of plane tickets and lodging and travel expenses and stuff like that to take a group of 15 kids to Mexico so they could play for basketball for an hour. And then, you know, (laughs) just screw around in the city and pretend that like it's serving the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, there's a pressure on youth pastors to orchestrate missions trips too. Uh, I, I I wonder what percentage of youth pastors like I know this isn't accomplishing anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's just something I have to do as a youth pastor. It's You're talking expected. about just missions trips or yeah, like yeah. their whole job? No, just missions trips. I think like okay. it's, I think churches expect youth pastors to come <laughs> up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I answer that seriously. <laughs> oh my God. Well, our guest coming up is Jonathan Braylock. Super funny guy. He is on Netflix's The Astronomy Club. If you haven't watched that, watch it. It's an all black sketch comedy group or troupe. I don't think I was supposed to call it a troupe. Um, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's hilarious. There's a few sketches in there that just had me. I mean, I watched it twice through um, and there's a couple of sketches that hit me just as hard the second time. So definitely give the Astronomy Club a watch on Netflix and enjoy our conversation with Jonathan Braylock. Hey, everybody. We are back with our guest, Jonathan Braylock. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. So, okay. So I was, li- I caught wind. It's hard. It's funny. Because growing up Christian isn't necessarily on everybody's like uh, resume or IMDb page or anything like that. So <laughs> you like, yeah, you know, I, I'm when not I, famous <laughs> enough to have my own wiki yet where it, it talks about it, but it soon will be after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our my our only goal is to be famous enough to get our own wiki feet pages. That's the only <laughs> I'm concerned with my wife so has started, one. Good goal. <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I was like, as soon as I heard that it came up in another podcast I was listening to you on, I was like, this is, this is, it's always like, 
oh, the lights go off and you're like, I definitely need to, uh, to reach out because it's just fun when you find out people grew up, like if instantly feels like there, you have something in common. So maybe, right. um, why don't you go ahead and just give us a little bit of your, your background and, and how you, sure. Like, how you got involved? Is it like, did you grow up in church with family? Was it something a little bit later on or what? Yeah, no, I, I definitely grew up uh, in church. Um, so both my parents are Christian. Uh, they actually met in a Christian cult, but that that's their own story. I'll let them. <laughs> I don't know too much about. Can you mention which cult it was? See, here's the thing. I like, I I keep forgetting the name of it, but I, I recently asked my mom because I, I never knew. And then she was like, it, it was this thing. And I looked it up uh, and it, ha- it, do- it has its own Wikipedia page. Um, but I have to like search through my mom's text to remember oh, wow. exactly what it was called. Um, but it was like, it wasn't like a, it, it's not a super famous one, but I think they did like a documentary about it at some point. So it's also not a, a non-famous one. <laughs> It wasn't like the People's oh, Temple, man. but it was on the radar. Right, exactly. How many, how many of the members got murdered? Yeah, they, I, I think none of them died, uh, but a lot of them left. Uh, and weirdly knew like two other um, couples from from that. They knew two other couples from that cult that I wound up knowing as well as family friends. Um, and they also, I think they weren't supposed to like have relationships with each other. And they all did. Um, yeah. not they all did, but some of them did. You could so. only have relationships with the cult leader. Casey <laughs> um, knows a lot about cults. He likes them a lot. So I bet if you just said the general geog, like the general area. I bet oh, I'm sure if there. I dropped the name, then you would know. I, I just don't, I just gotta, I gotta find it. But during this interview, I'll, I'll find it and we'll, and, and, I'll, and I'll say, um, but like, I, but it was, it was, it was kind of strange. I haven't really, I haven't talked about this publicly and I'm, here's the thing. My parents always somehow find every single podcast that I do. So <laughs> they're, Hey, mom and dad, our story is going to be out there. <laughs> um, but essentially my, uh, dad was the one who like took my sister and I to church all the time. And I grew, I was born in New York so we went to a church called Times Square Church. It's in New York City. Fairly big church. Um, uh, the founding pastor is David Wil- Wilkerson, who wrote the book Cross Switch. Uh, wait, what's it called? Cross oh, the Switchblade. Cross the Switchblade. Yeah, which was I a movie as well. One. Yeah, um, yeah, and they and I think started like uh, the Teen Challenge, World Teen Challenge, or another kind of anyway. Well known in the in in evangelical circles, yeah. um, and so that was the church that I grew up in my kind of my whole life. We wound up moving to Jersey, and we still went to that church because it was only like twenty minutes away. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I didn't. It, it's interesting. I I don't know. It's it's my entire life, so I'm like trying to figure out yeah, where right. to even where to even begin, but. Um, I was I was very uh, I was very Christian, um, and I felt like I've heard other people talk about this, but I felt like you know even though ostensibly most of my friends were also Christian because you know like seventy percent of America is supposedly Christian, like I felt like I was the one who was more Christian than them, Um, and you know I'm sure I got some of that from church culture uh which is kind of looking at your neighbor and being like are they 
doing everything they're supposed to do, even though at the pulpit, <laughs> they're like, no, 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 you don't judge your neighbor. But like, you do. In practice, you that's do. what everybody's doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, if anything we understand, it is uh, judging everybody around us for not being as good as we were. So. Right, right. <laughs> sounds sounds yeah. like you're a real Sam. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would never judge outwardly. I would just judge inwardly. Uh, yes. You did. Oh, yeah. Um, I also, I, I when I started doing stand-up, I joked about the the fact that like, when I was young, I, I didn't really, I thought the rapture was going to come before I like was an adult really. So I never planned to like have much of a life. I was just like, yeah, I mean, I, by the time I'm 22, I'm, we're all going to, you know, we're all going to face the judgment uh, oh, yeah. because it was kind of put in the church that I, I think like whether they wanted to or not, who knows? I was a kid at the time. I'm just processing it from that POV, but it was very much, a, a lot of focus on the end times and revelations and you know when the books when the left behind series came out everyone was like yeah yeah i read i read what i read the first one and then i and then i was like okay I'm, this is fine i watched the kirk cameron movie and i was like that was a good movie um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think yeah uh, they 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 did like a kids version of all of them yes, too. That's right. And yes. I was given those, and I didn't. I think I probably read like ten pages out of it and gave up. But I I did take to the Kirk Cameron. I mean, not that what. Yeah, he was. He did the first one. Yeah, Nicholas Cage was yeah. one years later. Yeah, so I, took I didn't to the see Kirk that Cameron. one. Yeah, I missed <laughs> that one too. I just passed. Uh, Nicholas Nicholas Cage has really lost me in his later years. <laughs> I'm just having a hard time with his movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's. He's got off the deep end in more ways than one, for sure. Uh, but it's funny to to what you were just saying, Sam, Sam, about like, oh, whenever I hear somebody grew up Christian, I mean, that's how I felt growing up. Like, whenever I felt like some artist that I liked was Christian, like Lauren Hill, like being a Christian and like having an album where she like kind of like talked about God, I was like, oh, like this is amazing, you know. And um yeah and it, like when i found out denzel washington was christian i was it, it, you know like all these people were like oh my god this is this is awesome like and i also because i always wanted to do acting since i was very young um and in the church that i was going to um there was a lot because it was on broadway literally Times square church is in Times square so it's literally on broadway it, it was it is this uh, old theater that used to be musical theater uh you know, center where the last musical that was there before it became a church was Jesus Christ Superstar. And so they talked about that all the time. Like we took this place from the world and made it you know, a temple. <laughs> so um, uh, so I also got a lot of testimonies uh, from people who were talking about how, you know, they were actors and then, you know, they felt the calling of God to leave that world. And I was always like, wait, what? I'm <laughs> That's the world, the world that I'm trying to get into. I'm confused. Uh, but I also felt like God was calling me into acting. So uh, it was interesting. I, we, I also wound up doing a lot of plays there. Um, so yeah. some of my biggest first plays were at church. And it was technically at a Broadway theater. <laughs> So. Was uh, the people who were called out of acting? Was that just because uh, it, it was such a worldly thing, and they felt yeah. guilty about it? And then yeah, yeah, yeah. they had to tongue kiss somebody, and yeah. so they're like they had to quit the movie. Yeah, 
and say yeah. swear words. Um, yeah. I, there were always, speaking, when you were talking about finding out people were Christian and, and uh, actors and stuff too, it's like, I remember when I found out that, um, I guess like Brad Pitt's brother does, uh, is like a missionary or something like that. So like, right. I remember when I first heard that, it was like, it was this big deal. It was like, Oh my God, all this. Like, you think it's like this godless thing. Like they all, they they're Christian adjacent. Like we should start right. praying for him. He, he might get saved. It's like, right. He probably grew up with this to some degree too. And it is funny. Like when you, I mean, to think of everything in terms when you're, when you're younger and in it like that, as um, when everything's in terms of, of just Christian and non-Christian, like it's a binary and uh, right. Exactly. Yes. And it getting so pumped when people fit into that box, like, it feels like it just knocks down walls and eliminates the gray area right. of your life. Did, did right. they it make feels a big, like you're allowed like, to. Yeah, go ahead. Did, see, I feel like we had that to some extent, but like where they'd get really excited is if they found out an actor was like a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> like when they found out John Voight was a Republican, they're like, John Voight, he's the best. And I'm like, who's, who's that? The guy from Anaconda? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's true. But a lot of times finding out they're a Republican in Hollywood is was just as big of a deal as finding out they're a Christian. It was real right. it was like a real stressful time when Mel Gibson went on that racist rant. Yeah. Because everybody's like, God, we know. really can't afford to lose a team player here. You know? <laughs> he made Passion of the Christ, man. Come on. I know. The one R rated movie we were allowed to see at Liberty University. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What was your, was your parents, were they like, uh, pretty, did they, did they like really groom through the like stuff that you were allowed to watch and listen to and things like that? So like, yeah, yes. And no, like, um, like I, uh, remember not really being allowed to watch the Power Rangers and like one of the first, like one of the most vivid memories I have as a very young child was like, uh, two, two two memories both connected to the power rangers one was a friend of mine lent me a vhs tape of the power rangers for me to watch and my dad was like you i don't know if you should be watching this and i don't know if it was more about the violence or more about the like i think it had i i personally believe it was less to do with it being violent and more to do with it being like magic being involved because they have <laughs> yeah. like talismans that transform them into mighty morphin power rangers yeah <laughs> um, and so I remember my dad saying, like, I'm not going to tell you you can't watch this. Just know that, like, is this what God wants you to do? And Oof. and my, like, five-year-old, four-year-old self was, like, having a moral dilemma of should I watch this thing show that the, my <laughs> friend asked me to watch? And I, but I don't know, but God, will God hate me for it? So I didn't watch it. And then I, and then I remember... Uh, I don't know who knows how much later this was, but I remember going to a kid's birthday party and everyone was playing. And then like at one point, you know, the mom was like, all right, we're going to watch power Rangers. And everyone was like, yay. And then I like went up to her and I was like, I'm, I'm not allowed to watch it because I'm Christian. And she was like, Oh, (laughs) do you want to just go into Sean's room and play with his toys? And so I was like playing with his toys by myself in this room while I'm hearing the cheers of other children. <laughs> that is playing. a traumatizing experience. And then I and then I and then I kind of was like sneaking to go watch. And then every time I heard a doorbell or a knock, I would bolt into the other room <laughs> because I was riddled with guilt for 
watching five seconds of the Power Rangers. <laughs> did you ever did you ever do something like that and then feel so guilty that you confessed to your parents? Oh man, that's a great question. I don't I don't know. I can't I probably not, honestly. <laughs> I remember like two times that I did that. One was we went to somebody's house for like a church small group thing. Mm-hmm. And they had a uh, Super Nintendo that they like let the kids play, and we were playing Mortal Kombat, which I was not allowed to play. Oh, yeah. And so I had, no in my house too. I had like a tearful confession afterwards, <laughs> and then uh, I went to this wow. kid Larry's house. I might have told this story before, but they watched uh, MTV, and I was definitely not allowed to watch MTV. Like they watched Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh yeah, it was, it was like the Backstreet Boys versus the the. Gosh, what was it? Um, what was the? What were the, the girl band that wore uh, the big shoes? The Spice Girls. The Spice Girls. <laughs> I think it was them fighting the Spice Girls. Dude, that was a that was a show. Every, I mean, everyone watched, even if you weren't supposed to. I had a friend that was like, the, you would do everything you weren't supposed to do when you slept over his house. So I had to like, I telling my parents that I I felt like, oh, we like played Grand Theft Auto and like seeing how that was going to go over it, my parents never really cared. like they kind of just gave us this, that pass when we were somewhere else we were also a little bit older but it still was like we had to let them i had to let them know i was i was more the one to confess about stuff like that my my brother never would have but grand theft auto i remember being the scary one because that was that was the game no one was allowed to right garbaging right. garbage out john yeah. when did you I, start oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say i just had another memory of uh i think in seventh grade all my friends were went to see bedazzled uh with uh elizabeth hurley who plays the devil and uh brendan fraser oh, i don't know if you remember I forgot this movie. about that movie i've ever seen trailer for it when i went to, i i remember going to another movie and seeing a trailer for it and thinking that i that looked funny and wanted to see it but i didn't tell my parents that i wanted to see it because i knew that right thought that, i Dude. knew that would have been a conversation elizabeth hurley looked good in that movie too. <laughs> she yeah. looked great Probably the, part of i'm sure the <laughs> only reason why all my seventh freaking middle school boy friend, you know male friends wanted to see this film and i yeah. and i and i and i told them i was gonna go and then my dad was like what movie are you seeing like 30 minutes before i was leaving and i was like bedazzled and he was like is that the movie with uh, the devil and i was like yeah and he was like you think you should be seeing that movie? And I was like, no. <laughs> Your dad practiced like psychological warfare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was real good at it. And then I like called my friends and I was like, I can't come see it. They were like, why? It's PG-13 because at this point they already knew I couldn't see R-rated films. And I and they were like, and I was like, I know but it has the devil in it. And they made fun of me forever. <laughs> 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 didn't end up going is what happened didn't go didn't yeah. go guess what have never seen that movie <laughs> oh man well, i've also never right. seen i also never saw bruce almighty same reason oh interesting <laughs> that was a I good one a, too i got a pass on that one uh i think that was like, my no, aunt god is in it. it it's good for god yeah i know <laughs> my church was like mocking god you know like (laughs) how could god be a black man no i'm just kidding they didn't say that but (laughs) some people thought it you know some people thought it yeah i I know for a fact some people thought it (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> I didn't want to be the one to bring it up. No. Um, <laughs> so when, so you knew you wanted to do acting, but you didn't feel like you wanted to drift into comedy at that point. Was comedy a later thing where you felt? I loved like, comedy, but I just I didn't like. Uh, I guess I didn't necessarily think I could do it, or I didn't know what the like. To me, comedy was stand up, and I I was like too scared to do stand up when I was like in high school or even like even beginning of college, I was like, I was it's like, a- Oh, I respect stand up, but I'm not going to, I can't do that. You know, that's felt scary. Uh, I feel like that first time scary. out would be the most, ter- I, I can't, I, it, the first time doing it sounds like an absolutely terrifying experience. Yeah, for sure. I remember the first time doing stand up. I remember it's vividly. <laughs> I'm sure it's because it, it is a slight trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Casey's given it a shot. It hasn't gone super well. I've done it a few times and yeah, no, didn't go well. <laughs> I think four times I've done it. And after the fourth one, I was like, maybe this just isn't for me. <laughs> Too old to be getting this kind of ego beating. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, it's relentless. You really just have to be okay with just people staring at you and not laughing at at, at things you're saying to explicitly make people laugh you're like i expect people to laugh and no one is laughing yeah. <laughs> i know but everyone's people, looking at me like that guy is not funny <laughs> yeah that's uh, it's hard enough to talk in front of people when they're just deadpan and you're trying to get a reaction to even just gauge that they're paying any attention never mind it, the purpose being to solicit laughs and just right. getting just terrifying stare downs Oh my god! I don't um, think people like understand how tough it is to like come up with jokes in that fashion because right. like when you're okay if you decide you're gonna do that you spend days thinking about like this this thought that you think is funny and by the time you get there you don't think it's funny anymore <laughs> like you're so sick of thinking about it and then you go up there and say it and nobody laughs and like you just. You're like, oh, well, I guess I give up on that one. I don't know. Yeah. So you start, so you didn't, you're saying you didn't really get into like try stand up or get into comedy until college then after college. Yeah. Basically I got into comedy because, uh, my friend Rami and I, who is now famous, um, (laughs) we, uh, along with my friend Kyle, we like just wanted to make stuff. Uh, we had all gone to the same high school and, uh, we were all like itching to make create things and there were and i just kind of started watching these two guys uh who were going to nyu with me uh they were a little older they had a sketch group called britannic um which is a fairly popular sketch group was a fairly popular sketch group on youtube and those guys wind up writing for snl and it's always sunny and a bunch of stuff um But like they were making these funny videos and I was like, oh, this looks fun and easy to do. We could just like make funny videos and put them online. Uh, and so that's what we started doing. And then I f- realized that sketch was an entire world. And so I, you know, kind of started doing research and it was like, oh, right. This thing called UCB that I've heard people talk about, like, let me go check it out. And then we were like, oh, I think the first show I saw Jenny Slate, it was like Jenny Slate's one woman show. And then she was on SNL like like literally that fall and i was like oh okay. wow you know and we saw like <laughs> other people like 
we would like go and see improv at UCB and then like all of a sudden most people would pop up in commercials and things like that. And I was like, Oh, like it looks like this is a path, you know? Yeah. There's no real, there's no real paths in the entertainment industry. So like anytime you see anything that remotely looks like something you could follow, you know, at least that's how I saw it. I was like, Oh, this. and then I realized there was so much freedom in comedy and being able to express myself and, uh, not having to wait for other people to say yes uh, for me to act. I could write my own stuff and then do it. And then, you know, uh, and I, and I, like I said, I'd always loved comedy. And like, <laughs> I guess like my comedy training was like recapping Simpsons episodes for my friends and just like literally telling them every single joke <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that I saw the night before. I remember once my friend Mark was like, dude, I saw that episode you were talking about. I was like, oh, yeah, it's hilarious, right? He was like, honestly, no, it was funnier when you said it. And it, it <laughs> I watched it and I was like, this isn't that funny. But John was so excited when he said it. I, I thought it was great. And I was like, oh, so, you know, that gave me a little boost of confidence. that I could awesome. at least do comedic timing somewhat or, you know, but yeah. I listened to like so many podcasts with comedians and I keep hearing them talk about how like New York is in like a comedy boom right now. Is that, is that been your right experience now? in the pandemic? Well, yeah, maybe not <laughs> pandemic, but like maybe leading up to the pandemic, it sounded like there was just a bunch of people that were really, really good that were regulars in New York. I think uh, maybe what they're, uh, maybe what they're talking about. There's a lot of people who are like getting their own shows and like there are a lot of people who are like getting put on that were grinding in the comedy scene for honestly some of them uh not that long yeah <laughs> some of them i'm like hey you only been doing this for three years how'd you get your own television show uh but um no like a lot of very funny people who are getting jobs and there's a i mean there's a there's a content boom that's been happening you know for you know like seven eight years now and it just keeps the pandemic made it even bigger you know it was like at first i was like oh the bubble's gonna burst soon and then it was like no 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 because everyone's gonna watch all the content that there is yeah. and then be like we need more so here we go again um and there's more streaming services now than ever so yeah, I guess in that sense, that's true. I it's It'll be interesting to see what the like live comedy scene is like, because there's going to be there. There has to be a rebirth. Uh, some theaters closed, you know, and theater is just slowly opening up now, I guess. Like, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting because like nobody really could do live shows for like unless it was like outside and somewhere or on Zoom or <laughs> Instagram live or Twitch or something. But, yeah. you know. That's awful. Did yeah. you awful to do? I agree. Did you continue <laughs> to go to church and stuff like uh, after moving out from your parents and while you were like doing comedy? Oh yeah. And that sort of thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, uh, up until I guess like I'm trying to think. <laughs> so for a long time, all throughout college, I refused to swear in anything that I did. So I didn't swear in college at all. And so there were several Me times too. where I, I got into spats with professors, uh, professors, acting teachers who assigned me scenes that like had cursing in it. And I was like, I, I, I can't do this. And for the most part, it was fine. Uh, the, the weirdest thing was like my senior year. Um, 
there was this like outside director that they brought in and like literally there was one swear word <laughs> in it like that I didn't want to say. Um, and at first he was like, that's fine. And then like a week later, like called me into his office, like by myself and like laid into me about how I was disrespecting theater and the playwright for like not using the playwright's words. Wow. And I, <clears throat> and, uh, and I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Like I've, I've already had this conversation with like, you know, the Dean of our <clears throat> whatever, you know, year or students, whatever. I don't I remember the title. <laughs> um, and they were just like, okay, like, like, yeah, yeah. I've talked to them too. And so you're going to be able to do it. Just know that like, I think what you're doing is morally wrong. It's offensive to me. And I was like, cool, dude. Um, <laughs> wow. And like at that dude. point I was like, I, I, I kind of was like, I had enough, I was old enough to be like, what this person is doing right now is utterly insane. And like, yeah. even if they're right, even if they're right, like in, in a macro sense of like, it, it, it shouldn't matter and blah, blah, blah. Like just on a, on a personal level, like you're a teacher, man. Like who are you to tell some kid what they're, you know, like to go against their personal beliefs and then try to guilt them into, I don't know. It just felt, so one of the things that's funny to me is like, as I've deconstructed my own faith, I've also been looking at like other belief systems, you know, it doesn't even have to be religious, just political belief systems or other lifestyles that people live by and seeing the same kind of things that I didn't like about Christian culture in those places too and realizing, oh, that's humans. Hum humans are so yes. like we... We like things our way. And when like our, our identities are threatened in some way, we just like, we can't stand it, you know? Um, and you see it like Christianity has a lot of power structures that make it a little bit more, can, can make it, you know, <laughs> more, um, what am I trying to say? Like it, it could hurt more. It could hurt people a lot sure. more because of it. And it's, it's deeper, but like, it's the same thing. And, and, you know, if you're some political ideology or other religions or you know even things like even things like like whatever new age spirituality or all this there's certain there's i'm i always find certain hypocrisies or like judgments i, I don't know and, and when i see that i i i don't know if it's the comedian in me but i just like i see the connections and i'm like oh that's so funny and we're like kind of like all going through the same thing um even when we think we're not like it yeah plus yeah, it's like that, a it's like a dominance thing too that people do like, yeah. and you see it all over the place. Like if you go, if you golf with a group of guys, there's always that one guy that like is going to get mad at you for like picking your ball up instead of hitting it into the hole. Like when you're <laughs> right next to it, it's like, come on, man, you got to respect the game. Like it, there's like a, a dominance play in being like a purist at whatever you're talking about. Right. And those people drive me insane. Right, right, yeah. right. It's funny. We talk about that a good bit, what you were just saying, because it's what we've seen, too, is like people who who have like some people just like fizzled out and they just stop taking a lot of things seriously and they're pretty well adjusted people. But what uh, the people that you can see who take like who go from like Christian to like this like alternate shift of being on like a polar opposite and taking right. the extreme and being like. If you think this, say this, believe this, you should just unfriend me now and save me the time because I'm right. going to fucking talk to you again. And you're like, 
that we invented that. Like we, <laughs> not even that bad. It's like it wasn't even that bad. Is is like at least they'd still associate with the world. They just feel right. pity on it, and now it's like right. the other extreme is just like we can't have any association with you because you're a plague, and it's gonna hurt right. our image. <laughs> yeah, our yeah, move. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I uh, and that it's so funny because I, you know, I've always been somebody who like I like questioning things. I like arguing. I like debating. Uh, I've. I, I don't do it. I I do it in a different way now. <laughs> Hopefully, in a healthier way. But like, I've always been somewhat of a skeptic. For instance, um, the thing that kept me in Christianity was f- finding the uh, there were like all of these smaller kind of arguments that people were having that I was like pointing out the hypocrisy in, in their way of thinking without fully looking at it in in Christian, you know culture um but some like things like people would always say like oh religion is the cause of all world problems and it was like i was like what like that is so utterly false and 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 like provably false you know what i mean like um and and and, but people would just like they say these things and um and so it was like that kind of stuff and like i got into apologetics at at one point which have you? I don't know oh. if you guys ever went down those rabbit holes. Uh, is uh, you boys yeah. Lee Strobel? Did you read Lee Strobel books? <laughs> Lee Strobel, yeah, I, I uh, a little bit. I was more like, you know, like, I mean, C.S. Lewis was obviously like what I first started yeah. with, and then there was this guy, there's this guy, Robbie Zacharias, who had like a podcast and like a he had a couple books that I went down. You know what I mean? Like uh, there was so there was a lot of that stuff. I, I <laughs> in high school. I I remember I was we were learning about evolution and I was like asking my dad all these questions because I was like, dude, this doesn't make any sense. Where do the dinosaurs come into the Bible, dude? And I, I don't, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. we gotta figure this out because they dinosaurs are real. Like you're not, not gonna tell me that they're not. Uh, and he and my dad, I remember, got me this book, uh, not book, a VHS tape about evol- like creationism. And I watched the video and there was like some interesting, you know, it's just surface level points that these people were making. And I was like, like about how like water can disrupt the accuracy of carbon dating. And there was a worldwide flood and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously uh, when you do more research (laughs) outside of that, you'll see that carbon dating isn't the only way that we know how old the earth is and how old like different periods are. But at the time it made sense to me. And I somehow was able to convince uh, one of my high school science teachers to watch this video, like play this video in the class because I (laughs) argued with them about how it was actually against separation of church and state if they didn't play this to give an alternate oh <laughs> theory on how we would have hard I, into that. Yeah. <laughs> I, God, I wasn't, uh, I was homeschooled, but if I was in a public, if I was in your public high school, we definitely would have been best friends. There's you would have full on God's not dead just on him. Hard. That's oh yes. Oh yes. A hundred percent. God's not dead. I was so mad when I watched God's not dead because I was like this, Get better <laughs> arguments to this kid, man. Oh, did, Kevin did Sorbo's you... character is so weak. I can't believe he dies at the end of that movie. That movie is that I was like when I watched that film, I was Spoiler like, alert. do 
did the Christian who wrote this hate non-Christians? It feels like they hate them. Like it was like you wanted this atheist to die. Yeah, just the like, biggest prick in the world. It couldn't. It couldn't just be like he gets saved. No, he has to get saved while dying. <laughs> That's like oh the, that's God. like always the play is like, <laughs> well, you can pres- you know subscribe to all of this stuff while things are going well, but the minute you're on your deathbed, you're gonna you right, know, right, 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 deathbed Christian, oh kind of a God. Ted Bundy type story. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar enough or connected to the world still, but I think it was a big enough story where um, uh, our boy Ravi Zacharias had a lot of skeletons in his closet. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, did you see all that? I I didn't go hard into it, but I I, I remember peep, peeping it. <laughs> oh yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty bad. Really, it's oh goodness, he, it's one of those like it's interesting that he was such a high. I mean, he was such a highly respected, well revered man, and uh, I mean, he died, I mean, dude, it's like a few I, years I, after he died is when like the shit hit the fan there, and it's like oh fuck, right, that's right. even like. That's what we've been supporting. It's that's a dark feeling when you realize when you support oh, yeah. it's like that. Ugh, makes you kind of so. The last church that I was super involved with was, was Hillsong, New York. <gasps> Carl Lent, and you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a. I I mean, there's no way this is still his cell phone number, but I had his cell phone number. <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't I didn't know him that well, but I met him and talked with him and. Uh, he like texted me once and i was like oh my pastor is in the cell phone but uh i had i had left hillsong i'll say like i guess it was like two and a half years ago now um okay that's pretty uh, recent for a oh. lot of different yeah, yeah yeah for for yeah man i've been on a i've been on a journey um uh but i but yeah man that that it again it was it, not surprising um but also just like I not devastating for me, but I know it was de- I know how devastating it must be for so many people because uh, you really put so much uh, faith into these leaders who are telling you all these things, even when they're telling you not to put faith in them. You know, right. the culture still kind of demands it. And also because people are trying to live at such a high moral level that feels impossible for most people to live by like this this moral code and then when you when you're like well that person's doing it and then you see that that person isn't doing it it's hard to not feel utterly betrayed you know yeah and they're not they're they're just like also not doing it on a more extreme level than you've ever not done it in your life Dude, right. it is like it's it's like, it's like uh, I was feeling guilty because I was I watched porn and you were yeah. out here like abusing people. Yeah. Uh, Carl didn't abuse people, just for the record, but uh, or maybe he did. I don't know. Actually, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, yeah, it, but yeah, I don't remember the specifics. I think it was. I mean, I think it was affairs. I think there was allegations of like I don't, it's tough. I mean, you're in a position of that much power. It, it's hard right, to not. Right. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. When's when do you cross that line into like a level of abuse right. versus? Consent? Yeah, that's a I whole. That's a whole other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Let's just unpack that. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, these mega church pastors are like '80s rock stars. You know, they just got groupies yeah. that they're trying to bang. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know. And see, see the problem. Like, 
and here's the thing what's so funny is that you know when i first started going to hillsong but uh, my family my parents were were cool with it and for the most part and uh most of the people i knew from my other church were cool with it but i do remember like going to a service with some people that i knew from times square church and they were just like trashing it uh because you know it was in a nightclub and they were like why do they need to feel like why does this need to be cool and uh why were they playing secular instrumental secular music you know during the forced fellowship which is what they used to call it and then they changed that name uh <laughs> um and i remember just thinking like why do you care about that like i like it was just such a it felt so uh surface level and yet those people can turn around and be like see we were right like that form of christianity is wrong you know what i mean um even though things like this happen in all forms of christianity with every oh, denomination sure. and every you know um but i think it's like that level of infighting amongst christians and uh the the feeling of superiority that certain denominations feel over others like that in and of itself was one of the huge reasons that allowed me to kind of step back and be like oh just because like the church says something is right or wrong like doesn't mean it actually is and like i think i'm gonna start to separate who i think god is and what god is saying from like this ancient you know i mean like it's it's not even the thing is that like the christianity has gone through so many different levels and stages that oh, we just we connect to it but we don't actually i mean i don't know i can go on and on yeah. about this but. no i think they're you're right actually i mean you go on as long as you want you don't that we can take this any direction because this is kind of what we do here uh i think you are it's like what we are connecting to is so growing up evangelical in my, I mean, it was like your right. typical like white bread evangelicalism and it's you, you're taught that you're connecting to the, you're connected to this like conceptually to this thing that's been around for 2000 years. And then you, you learn more and look around and you're like, no, this is about 150 years old, what we're doing here. Like, in that if being generous given right. the way that it actually looks like maybe it's belief wise right. you can connect it back but i mean even the end like all this like emphasis on the end times is fairly recent and it's just is like when you start realizing that you're not really connected to you're connected to a concept like that's been around for 2000 years but you're not connected in any way shape or form to how it all started no, not not outside of like maybe some basic founding principles that is, and that's not really what the church is built around. They, I think people say that's what the church is built around. Like people like to believe that that's what it's built around. Um, but in reality, like especially, I'll just talk about it from the, the the view that I know. Like American Christianity, specifically American evangelicalism, has way more to do with colonialism and white supremacy than it does like what Jesus you know, was doing back in like ancient Rome, you know, like I, mm-hmm. it, it, there's, there's so, and the, that's the other thing is that we never learned that stuff. We don't learn the history of Christianity really. Like we learn it maybe a little bit in school, but like to church never talks about it. And I guess like some people can go and study it if they want it to, but no one thinks that you need to know that, right? Like a lot of people, especially, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know, about all the Protestant religions, right? Uh, 
And it's funny because like even the term evangelical is something that uh, was definitely not a, a negative connotation for me growing up, but it wasn't, it also wasn't like what we called ourselves because yeah. the church that I went to was non-denominational, right? And then they changed it to, to interdenominational at some point because uh, they they wanted to sound inclusive and, ex- and not excluding. Um uh, but it was even it was evangelical and and uh, and I know people who are like Presbyterian who also have evangel like the what I feel like is evangelical spirit to them or whatever. So and I know there's literally a ten- I, I once like was like, oh, yeah, there's like a thousand. And then I looked it up on Google and they were like, no, it's tens of thousands of denominations. It's like yeah. 10,000 denominations of Christianity. And they is- all claim like the uh, the pedigree. <laughs> from the source you know like we used to have like a a series of lessons like once a year pretty much on like what was wrong with all these other denominations and why like ours was the way and uh did you did your guys's churches get like a little angsty about being called protestant no no they didn't they didn't really no i mean i would say like that's the thing is like i didn't learn that much about the different denominations when i was growing up because our our church was like our 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 church both what publicly was like we're all christian it doesn't matter and then also was like but those catholics you know what i mean like it was still (laughs) like it it wasn't like (laughs) like if you ask them like hey like you know people who are catholic are they or, you know, are they going to heaven? They'd be like, hey, if they believe in Jesus, have a personal relationship with God, then like, yeah, absolutely. And then like, but then like every now and then they'd be like, but we don't do this and this and that. And honestly, people who do that are not reading the Bible and they're not looking at it. And I don't know, you yeah, know, yeah. only God knows, but they were the Virgin Mary. Right, <laughs> exactly. It was like a big point. <laughs> right. It was like, Which we is- always laugh about how like the the infant baptism was like such a hot topic when talking right. about Catholics. But then like every one of us got saved at like five. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like it was any different. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. When you're five and you can speak, that's when you can make your own choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It makes no sense. It's like, yeah, like a six-year-old had any more choice than this baby did. No, you just taught it what to say. Of course Dude, it's you- going to listen to you, parent who yeah. supplies it food and housing. You what? have to be old enough to get your first burn so you can appreciate what hell is. <laughs> yeah. You got to touch a hot pan before you can really get saved. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. And I, I also think about, I mean, I, I've talked about this with a, a lot of people who I know are doing the deconstruction thing. I think I even just brought it up with my family of like the animosity that so many Protestants have towards, towards uh, Catholicism while also being like, yeah, 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 the Bible is the inherent word of God, infallible. Um, and it's like, cool, where did that Bible come from? It's from that same religion that you keep saying is like not the right way, right? And it was like all of Christianity for most <laughs> of Christianity's lifetime was Catholicism. So like there, there wasn't even any, there was no other, it was like it branched off once, and then that was it. Like, so I don't know. It's just a, it's just an interesting thing when you think about it from a historical perspective, how new even just Protestantism is, you know, and then how many times Protestants split and it was immediate. Like it was every right time when it happened, they had a different idea. <laughs> just Dude. one thing. They're like, we baptize in water and they're like, that's ungodly. 
Uh, okay, we're out here. We do a sprinkle, sprinkle. Yeah, submerging. Just a dip. That's that's why mine got like uh, all upset about being called Protestant because they're like, this isn't Protestantism. We didn't split from the Catholic Church. We returned to the original principles that Jesus set forth. Oof. There's right, a difference. Of course. That's bold. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what. Wait, what? So, wait, what denomination did you? We were like uh, Baptist, but it was really like Southern Baptist. It was just right, Southern Baptist, in Michigan. Yeah. 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 My, mine was what yeah. you're talking about that classic non denominational, like non denominational. My dad listened to John MacArthur all the time. That was Calvinism. So, I like, I was aware of Calvinism and like, <laughs> Goodness, I mean, talk about uh, the the height of hubris to be like. Not right. only <laughs> do you need to interpret the Bible correctly to to live the right Christian life, but we're the only people who can do it, and everybody else does it wrong. And we'll explain to you why you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> our interpretation is the correct interpretation. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's. And then you can't do anything about it because you're predestined to be wrong anyway. So let's just move on. Yeah, predestined. Yeah. Like, God so chose wild. us to be right and chose you to be wrong. Yeah. So it was like a, it was like a splinter group that my friend was a part of. He ended up leaving the church. He's an atheist now, but uh, his his church didn't even believe in evangelism because that was like trying to take God's will into your own hands. Like people were either saved or they weren't, and there was nothing you could do about it. So just Right. Don't worry about evangelizing. Uh, right. Everybody that's important is in this church right here in this geographic location. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's funny about the, see, when I hear things like that, I'm like, yeah, I realize so many of these offshoots are just people f- like following the logical conclusion of like one point that they decided like is the, is the main one, you know? And they're yeah. like, cause at a certain point it's like, yeah, if you are really into predetermination, then like, I can make a logical argument that like, yeah, why are you evangelizing? That's that's you trying to affect God's will. God's will will be done whether you do something or not, you know? And so what's the point? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's like it, there are so many things like that that uh, I don't know. It, it really uh, how you are told to look at the Bible completely affects the way that you read it. Um and it affects what you pull from it and the thing, the parts that you concentrate on and the parts that you're like, well, uh, you know, that doesn't, that's not really what we're focused on. And you're like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, no, 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 because this part, is, this part supersedes that part. And it was like, well, what if I say that part supersedes this part? <laughs> oh, that's where the predestination I... thing goes every time. It's like, yeah. you know, if we're going to go one way or the other here, you got to explain away a lot of scripture verses. And that's when people <laughs> yeah. start going, well, if you look at the original Greek translation of this word, it can mean these six different things. And I think in this context, uh, this one that backs up my point is probably the correct pronunciation. Yeah. It would have to be. There's also be. one that was like, well, it, it talks about this uh, five times, but talks about this about 20. <laughs> so, I mean, 20 outweighs five. So obviously we just go with that. That's the only way to <laughs> right. That's just more, more. Right. It's right like, well, didn't it. Paul write that 16 <laughs> times? So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. and God let him. So <laughs> whenever you get backed into a corner, you always just be like, look, uh, maybe our imperfect human reasoning just can't make sense of this. Yeah. And we'll have to wait on God to explain it to us someday in eternity. Until then, uh, let's just assume I'm right. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, amazing. I re- I remember uh I think I had a John MacArthur Bible at one point and he had all these footnotes and it felt like a Bible that was like dedicated to like making the as- assertion that the the Bible was infallible. There's no there are no errors. There uh there's no contradictions. And so like everything that is contradictory and like he would have some footnote about it. And I, and the thing I always sticks out of my mind was like the different tellings of certain, you know, stories in the gospel say obviously the same story, but like the number of people differ. And then like, he would be like, well, clearly like uh, this person is only talking about the leader, the person who spoke for this group of people. And so they didn't need, you know, that's why there was only two. But in actuality, there were three, but the two spoke. And that's why this one says two and that one says three. But it's the same. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, dude. That's the funniest thing about, like, this whole idea that, like, the Bible is completely infallible, 100% true, true as it says it, as it says it is in the in the scripture. Because, like, right. no, in no other context it, would you argue way, about that. It you doesn't. Know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it doesn't even say like I, I, because it said. I mean, there's a part in Revelations that talks about, but I'm like, who's the, the Revelations isn't talking about the entirety of the scripture. It's talking about the book that we assume John wrote, right? Like it's yeah. it's this part. It's not every part. And then they're like, well, no, there's all these things like the Bible is used for like uh, discipline correction. I'm forgetting the exact verse, but I'm like, there there really isn't. There's not like any time where Jesus is like every single like the. FYI, about you know, sixty years from now, a bunch of gospels and some letters from Paul are going to be written about me, and everything that they write, all of it, infallible. I told them to write every single word. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> take it uh, as one hundred percent truth with no errors. Yep, everything Paul said was dictated by God Himself. I don't know. It's just By the like, time John got to uh, write in Revelation, like I think he had Alzheimer's or something. Because that book's wild. Like that's the one that you could he had leave some out. James, man. The wake up call for me was like what you were talking about. Like you mentioned John MacArthur in his Bible. It's like every single page, it's an explanation of why this doesn't actually contradict. And you're like, you get to a point where like, Dude, if you have to work this hard to try to tell me that right. on every single page, that this is why it doesn't look the way it looks, it it's getting pretty hard to believe that it 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 is what you say it is. It... <laughs> Dude, what's funny to me is like thinking back on some of the times that like you're saying, like everybody picks a different thing that becomes the cornerstone of their of their belief system and why they're better than everybody else. And then like individually, people pick up on like little bitty things that they make a big deal out of like explaining to you. Like sometimes it's like a gospel related thing, but then I remember at, at Liberty, there was this awful girl that, that was in my sister dorm that April hung out with when I first met her. And she like gave us this like fiery explanation one time of how like all anal sex is sodomy. It was like, <laughs> okay, like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do with that. Like I've never even kissed a girl before. <laughs> <laughs> But that doesn't oh my mean you goodness. haven't had anal sex, Casey, because you don't, you know, <laughs> at Liberty, you don't have, you can get there before kissing. We've seen it. Yeah. Not, not I mean, physically. it's funny because it's like, that's, and, and also when I found out that like there were people who were like 
having anal sex to like say that they were still virgins that also is like that level of like we're we're trying to i don't know yeah. it's just a loophole yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's truly wild it's it's like uh it's honestly like I, how i feel about you know when people when you're like actually trying to define race and then somebody like me pops up and it's like well my mom is white and my dad is black so what is that you know like at, at a certain point you start to go like yeah none of this doesn't make it this doesn't make any sense does it we're just really we're trying to create lines and draw these boxes that it doesn't you know we're really we don't know what we're doing <laughs> we're, just, we're just you know yeah like i no, I, I just looked this up because i because i remember i again i used to have arguments all the time with people and then <laughs> at, when i was doing some deconstruction i was like having arguments in the opposite direction but like the whole like the inerrancy of the bible like the, the, the scripture that people, I think, cite the most is 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is breathed out of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Nothing there says that it's infallible. You know what I mean? Like, even that, even if you if you take that, like, literal word-for-word -word value, like, God wrote that, like, that's still not saying that, you know there aren't any errors here. I don't know. Like I, I there's yeah. just, even, even when people are taking the Bible so literally, even after reading like two different creation stories, like right off the bat and going like, well, that, wait a minute, <laughs> like what this, this story and that story are different. So what's going on here and being like, Oh, maybe it doesn't actually matter. Like it's not, that's not the point. The point isn't for you to like, look at this and, you know, try to draw some scientific conclusions from it. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. People are, it's just, it's strange, man. But I think it's, for me, it's all about people wanting uh, certainty, right? And so many people want, like, they want to feel like they're safe, secure, they know what's happening. And so, you know, it's, for me, it's like, faith isn't enough. They're like, no, 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 I need to like, logically prove because we live in the you know quote unquote age of reason that like everything that i believe is 100 percent also accurate and i can like back it up mm -hmm. with all these like science facts and blah 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 blah, blah. and then you know i don't know yeah these yeah. people down weird places yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it, it's like that way in so many different instances in people's lives the same way in politics i mean like Hang around oh, yeah. somebody who's like a through and through libertarian for a couple days and like before you choke them out like they're explaining to you why why like they don't have to get a driver's license or <laughs> that like the the way to fix the education system is like to disband the uh you know like the department of education completely and have no rules or guidelines you know? right i know i know yes li libertarianism is the that is a such an ideological political philosophy where i, I every time i talk it's like there are times where I, I'll talk to some of my friends who are libertarian and I'm like, look, there are some things you're saying that I'm like, yeah, that could be nice. But like, this is not the world we live in. Like, what do you, you live in a fake world that never existed. It's never, it didn't exist <laughs> at the beginning of America. And it certainly doesn't exist now. Like there was never a time where all these principles you're talking about actually were there. Even in the heyday of the constitution, there was at least 20% of the population that had zero rights. So <laughs> they were considered uh, property. So if you, 
but like it's so then it's automatically you're like your libertarian views are gone right like it, it was controlled like yeah it's easy to it's easy to say that like no the government's not in my hair i mean they're in those people's hair but it's not in my hair so like that counts it's like no it doesn't it's automatically discounted <laughs> libertarianism is political calvinism yeah. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. And it's everywhere too. And like it's in it's in the Democratic Party, it's in the Republican Party, it's in all the offshoots of those parties too. Like anytime people are trying to like clamp down on just kind of one way uh, and don't allow for the the gray and the like complexities of life to seep in, you know, you're always gonna get this kind of, you know, whatever dog. Yeah. Mode. <laughs> for sure so close-mindedness so yeah you mentioned leaving like hillsong about two and a half years ago and it was that it was that and it sounds like you've been going down this like this big road that a lot of us are on as well like of uh, a big reevaluation. is that so did that start about two and a half years ago uh this this kind of reevaluation. no i mean it started it started like i would say 2013 is when this started for me <laughs> like you know and i i like I kind of very quickly, like, I, like, flirted with atheism for a bit. I, like, listened to atheist podcasts. And I, and and that, honestly, was mostly because of, uh, I just felt like I couldn't, like, live a sexually pure life. Um, and I wanna, I didn't, I wasn't having sex, but I was, you know, making out with girls and, and things. like, And then, like, not doing it. And then I would, I, like so funny like i i'm i'm so used to saying i was addicted to porn but like that is such a if i wasn't christian <laughs> there was no way in hell i would say that i was addicted to porn cuz i cuz there are people who are actually addicted to porn who like you know are watching it like five times a day or like like i saw the movie don john i was like oh that's a porn addiction yeah. <laughs> oh my god you know like i wasn't even close i just like <laughs> watched porn like four times in six months and i was like i can't quit <laughs> i need a nicotine patch <laughs> uh but like you know it was it was really that and like and that paired with that paired with you know the church's views on the lgbtq community like i had so many friends i mean i had uh i had at you know a gay friend in high school really i actually had more than one gay friend i just didn't know because people weren't out and then and then you know when i got to college like my roommate was gay um and and then like in the acting world like i just knew so many uh people from that community that like more and more i was like this this, this is not squaring up this doesn't feel right um and then that coupled with my own feelings about like i can't keep my own sexuality in check and like how do i and like this feels impossible and it felt so cruel. Like that's what that's what I was kind of like. I was ruminating mm. on. I was like, why would God set up certain people to have like such hardships with this? And like, and then I and I look at like pastors who got married at like twenty one, and I, and like they're like trying to relate. And I'm like, screw you! You got married at twenty one. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah, you can't yeah. like come, sit here and tell like a group of like 30, like two year, I wasn't 32 at the time, but like, you know what I mean? Like there, there are like, there are people who are there like 35 aren't married and you're like telling them like, you know, they're wrong for like wanting to have any sexual connection to other people or God forbid they're gay. And they're like, you'll never have that kind of, you'll never right. have love with somebody who you're sexually attracted to ever in your entire life. Um, 
and you just have to, and that's just the thorn in your side. That's the thorn that God gave you and you have to live with. Your you cross know, like, to bear. That's your cross to bear. Uh, um, so it was kind of that stuff that started making me like question everything. But I very like quickly was like, I don't, I was like, I just, but I so strongly felt like God uh, is real. And I, and the principles of Christianity in terms of like, love your neighbor as yourself and like, the idea of forgiveness and compassion and reconciliation and redemption, like all of that stuff I still believed in and felt so strongly was like, I like a part of life. And, and so, you know, and I did believe in a higher power and all this stuff. So like, that's kind of what kept me in, but then I like Hillsong was like a new birth. Cause it was like, uh, you know, when I first started going to Hillsong, I didn't really care about the the coolness of the church was actually the annoying part. It was more uh, other than the fact that there were like a lot of young, attractive people who went there that, that I liked, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it was it, like the rock music. I didn't care. I, I was like, I, I like gospel. I don't like, I don't like Christian rock that much. Uh, I, I, you know, grew to like some songs, but I was just like, this is not why I'm here. I'm here because, you know, Carl, <laughs> who I really did like, like uh, would like come on stage and be like, None of us are perfect, you know, just like you don't need to like uh, be living some sort of perfect life for God to like use you and and do other things. And the, and the focus was more on helping other people and less about like, even though the focus in the church was they would always do an altar call. Or it was very evangelical. It felt like the messages were more about uh, just helping others and like not trying to weigh yourself down with guilt, you know, and, mm. and then the uh hurricane sandy happened when i was there and so we helped people a lot in the rockaways and stuff like that so that was like kind of giving me new life but then i was also like kind of doing my own deconstruction so hillsong was was kind of a part of that because times square church i felt at least for me was so intent on looking at yourself and like all the sin that you're doing and like how you're not living righteously and th- this and that and i was so focused on myself it just felt like such a selfish version of christianity uh and so hillsong felt less selfish and then like um then i uh i started dating uh who is now my wife tessa um and she was very spiritual but didn't have any practice in christianity at all and so she was even just being in a relationship with her was like was what i was told not to do my entire life of you were unequally yoked my friend unequally yoked you know, and then breaking down that verse and being like, what does this mean? And like, oh, I did actually never, I've heard that term the whole time. Like I said that and she was like, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, I actually have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's about oxen? Like what? <laughs> it's about some freaking board that like takes two oxen and when they're plowing a field, like and one is weaker and the other is stronger, like it's not good for the plow, like, which is like a an interesting- Sexual uh, metaphor. Out- antiquated image <laughs> um that i was like i kind of looked at it and i was like well this i don't know i interpreted it differently and 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 so i told my parents and you know they were kind of like we trust you and i was like oh that was surprising um and so they didn't say like, are you it, sure that's what god wants for you right now yeah i mean they definitely did uh, <laughs> they 100 percent did that my dad pulled the old Bill Power you know, up to his old you tricks. Know, you got got the old tricks out, but like you know, I've, I I prayed through it, and 
Uh, so that was a part of it. I read this book by Ken Wilber called A Brief History of Everything. And that was a huge thing. It, I, if you haven't read it or heard of it, I, I recommend checking it out. Um, he has this philosophy that is essentially like talking about, you know, uh, he talks about this thing called holarchy, just like this is what everything is. And there's an infinite, infinite, everything consists of smaller parts and larger and is a part of something larger infinitely in both directions, you know, and that's, and, and like kind of says like, yeah. And some people call this God. And there was a way in which he like described everything that was like, that makes a lot of sense and still felt connected to a lot of the things that I was taught, you know, through Christianity. So it was like, and then I also found the podcast, um, that what's the liturgist. You guys know that one. Yeah. So that was a huge, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, that was a that was a part a huge part of it, and I had you know one of my best friends Wes, who was kind of going through the same thing, and you know, and then more and more realized, oh, there are other people going through like the liturgist podcast helped me realize that, uh, and then yeah, I think like opening up and realizing that there are so many of us who feel the same way and we're like going through the same things, and having the same questions, and you know, and I think a lot of people go different directions with it. For me, I've been able to keep us you know a semblance I, I still like if somebody were to say to me are you are you a christian i would still say yes i just like am not subscribed to the same kind of christianity that i was before and um and i don't and i'm not and i and at first was like interested in like helping to reform it i guess and then realize that that's already a denomination yeah. so uh, <laughs> it was like you know what like we don't maybe we should stop this whole denomination thing and like just be like look you can be whatever denomination you want and at the end of the day i really do feel like god is working things out with everybody in their own way and i am not i'm not overly concerned with other people's lives especially people who i don't know which is another thing about christian culture that bothers me so much is like how much people care about people that they have zero investment in like and and no personal connection to and it and that definitely reflects on a political scale as well where you're just like Certainly. is this really about you like you, is this really about god like it feels like it's just about you combating your own because you don't want anything to question your own you know identity or your, your own belief system. So you attack other people so that you can like prop up your own belief system. That's, that's how I feel about things sometimes. Well, it's yeah. funny how like church, like such a big part of it is the community aspect of it. I mean, that's the, it's the only reason that you, you know, that you would go to a church for the most part is like, yeah, you're here to listen to sermons and stuff like that, but it, you're really there to like hang out with like-minded people. And I think back on totally. like how little time we spent talking about like how to have like beneficial, uh, you know, like good relationships with other people. Like we spent no time talking about like what it means to like be somebody's friend, you know, right. and consequently, like when when we started disagreeing, all of our friendships fell apart, you know, because it was. It's just everybody is so focused on like, well, if we don't agree on this, I mean, this is a cornerstone of my, not just my political or religious beliefs, but like my identity. And I just don't see how there's room for you in in my life if you don't agree on this thing, you know? 
Yeah, it's funny. I do. I so, I, John, I'm I'm similar to you in that if you know I still call myself a Christian. Uh, I I still go to a church too, and I think what made me feel fine, like I had moved from a, one to another and had a bad experience at one, and that's where like a, that was kind of like the. I don't know. That's where a major shift started taking place in me. This is probably eight, uh, uh, yeah, eight-ish years ago. But um, mm-hmm. finding a place, like, so Casey, one of the things you said is like even being around like-minded people. And I think what I finally felt in a good place was when I found a, like, the only thing that was like-minded was that people was people were interested in having conversations, even if they disagreed. And finding that space to me was a big deal, where you could. Have yeah. all those conversations. I mean, I know some people who still go, they'll just show up from time to not, not we've done anything since the pandemic, really, but people who would show up who don't, they're not, they're like, I don't even call them, like, they don't call themselves Christian, but they still found like right. a kind of a family there where it's just like they know that everyone there accepts them for who they are. And it, it's not about like build, because I used to have this feeling of like, I need to be friends with all these people. And like, that's what I did, this idea that community is like right. real friendship. And I'm like, I just get something out of being there with people. And I might see him once or twice a month and have interesting conversations, but there's still a connection and there's like just a genuine conversation happening and there's no expectation that anybody lands in one place or another. And I, that was really meaningful to me when I found that. And it still is. I still appreciate that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We, we like, you know, Tessa and I uh, were like going to this church in Brooklyn that uh is actually i think i think was is presbyterian um but like you know flies like a black lives matter and rainbow flag outside of their building um and they're like what i guess is termed now as a progressive (laughs) christian church and um uh with like a very social justice or like bent to the the messages and um that you know has been nice to see. And, and also I think what you're saying is true. Like so much, what both you're saying is true. Like, like the church is like about the, it's about the community and it's about the like-mindedness. One of the things I liked about Hillsong, but, but then I felt like one of the reasons I left is because I felt like they, they weren't really doing this much uh, was, you know, when I first was there, I felt like they were getting people connected, getting, getting people who weren't, who didn't, go to church or maybe they grew up at church a little and they left and they were coming back. And, and then there were people who like didn't really go to church and they were coming in and they were made everybody feel like home at, at home, you know, but like, and then I realized like Hillsong was just building its own community and like outside of like certain things here and there, all this manpower was just going to like making the church bigger as opposed to like, you know, kind of organizing us to go out and like do good within the city. Like God knows there's so many, things that they could help and like instead like people are you know volunteering you know f- eight you know six eight ten twelve hours a week uh just hosting church more church you know and it's like yeah. all right now we have we have four services on sunday and we have a service on tuesday and a prayer meeting on wednesday and a and a youth night on friday and a this thing on thursday and like we need volunteers to serve at all those things and like and then we have small groups and make sure you go to those and like this and that. And it's like, that's all well and good. And, but then, you know, and they're like, then there's a conference and like, we're doing this conference and it's, you know, in order to do the conference, we're going to need like 
a hundred volunteers to do the conference, and then we have another conference, and at this conference they're they're promoting the next conference, and it's just like what I was like at a certain point I'm like couldn't some of this attention instead of just because but then I realized that's what evangelicalism for that's how I've been defining it now because I at first I was like what does this even mean to me it just means when your f- soul fo- focus your soul belief system is just getting other people to say the sinner's prayer, just essentially what it is. Like as long as we get them to the church and then at the end of the church service, they, they'll say the sinner's prayer and they become Christian. They, they become saved. They get saved. They, be, they convert, you know, then we've done our job and nothing else matters. And if that's really what you believe, which I think is what truly what a lot of people believe. And again, if my parents are listening to this, probably like, oh my God, John, do you not believe that? <laughs> you know, like, uh, like if that's what you believe, then like, of course, like all that other stuff is like, yeah, it's nice, but you don't need to. And I kind of have heard people say that to a certain extent of like, you know, you'll be like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Like all these people are dying over here or like the immigrants at the border or like all these like trans kids are dying or, you know, whatever, like the thing, like all the, all the world problems that are happening, they're like, yeah, that's sad. But like at the end of the day, it, you know, all that matters is are they saved and like Jesus is going to come back, you know, and the rapture is going to happen. So like, we don't, we kind of don't need to do anything really. Like all that stuff is nice. You know, if God tells you to do it, then you should, but otherwise, you know, it's better to just make sure that you get people to come to church. Like just ask them if they know God and are, can they come to church on Sunday? And if that is your main belief, if that's your main focus and that is what the Christian what so much of Christian focus is that it's like, no wonder we live in a world that like, if you, if it was at, if the, if the belief system is as effective as it should be, how can like 35% of the world profess themselves Christian and like this much horrible things are still happening. You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't make sense. 70% of this nation considers themselves Christian. And it's this clearly one of the greediest nations, like, on on the planet like this country runs on greed and like meanwhile like 70 percent of its population is like oh yeah we believe in god and the money is the root of all evil because it says so in the bible and yet yeah not really prayer, so it's fine it's like a hierarchy of convenience because <laughs> it's just like with uh when it comes to politics you know like abortion is such a useful tool in right in yeah, politics yeah. because like whatever happens with all of this other stuff at the end of the day, are we killing babies? Okay. Well, like I have to vote over here and I don't, I don't mm-hmm. have to really think about that because this trumps that 100% right. of the time, like people's bodily needs aren't really that big of a deal because ultimately it's their eternal destination that trumps all of that, you know? Right. And that's, that's putting right. it like in the, the least charitable way possible. Like, I mean, that's, that's a really douchey way to summarize everyone's belief, but it's something that you see, like, I think sometimes subconsciously play out like, well, this is my focus. It's really to uh, support these missionaries and get them out there and stuff. And I don't really need to get involved in the community. You know, here's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that here's the thing. Like you're a hundred percent right in that especially when you when you're thinking about politics it is no coincidence that the the like top you know religious political you know issues are abortion and gay marriage right and it's and it's still gay marriage somehow like and it's like 
And it's like, oh, right. the things that like don't like a lot of you don't have to think about or worry about, you know, and there, or even some of you do, but like you did it once and then you don't, you haven't done it anymore. And so like, you could be like, no, 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 it is wrong. And like, God forgives me for doing it or God forgives my sister or my aunt or my mom who had to do it at one point, but it's okay. You know, we still think it's wrong and they know it's wrong now. So, and it's like, yeah, it's so easy for you. It's so easy to concentrate on that instead of like all the other things that Jesus was actually talking about. It's Jesus like wasn't mentioning that stuff at all. Uh, but all the stuff about helping the poor and, you know, housing the homeless and feeding the hungry. And like, and you look at the numbers of America and people are like, yeah, but there's really nothing we could do about that. It's like, oh, okay. So you can forcibly make sure that two people who love each other can't get married, but the act of just like giving <laughs> some more tax dollars to, you know, house some people that are homeless, you can't, you can't do that. Like, I don't know. I it, it's it, you're right. It's like it's politics of convenience, and and that's the thing. And that's when the world sees the hypocrisy of people who claim you know to be Christian living these certain lives. It's like, of course, it has the reputation that it does. How could it not? You know, and that and yeah. that, and the thing, the sad part is that so many Christians also believe that and will are, are like yes, yes, yesing. You know, and even saying it from the pulpit and yet still doing the same thing. <laughs> like, it's like nobody thinks it's them. Everybody thinks it's somebody else, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I, I've ever, you've probably heard the same thing. It's like uh, when you talk about, you know, healthcare problems, homeless, like trying to like reallocate tax dollars to these social ills. Uh, the church's responsibility. Well, that's not the government's job. That's the church's job, right? And then you're like, well, the church isn't doing it. So yeah. the solution, <laughs> the solution to it is, the government should tax the churches and then only use that money to do the things that the church is supposed to do. And they don't have their loophole anymore. I'm all about that, <laughs> dude. I'm all for it. Like I keep thinking about that. Like you know, if a church is actually like being of of service to their local community and they're taking all of those offerings and then putting them to work with their local community. Like by all means, go ahead. You know, people paid taxes on all their income and then they chose to give it to, you know, whatever, that's fine. But like, yeah, when all of it is going towards like lobbying for specific legislation or, you know, just all of the ridiculous things that have no impact Dude. locally. Well, I don't think you should. Or you, just you their own, their staff. own pastors' pockets, or their staff, or it, or like uh, building, buying a new church. This is what I'm saying. Like then, then that goes back to that thing that I was saying before. Like, but if your like ideology is just like, well, all we really are supposed to do is tell other people about Jesus and get them to say to be saved, and so you don't have to do any of these other things that. God like specifically asked you to do all, you know, you can just point to the one verse that says, go spread the gospel and be like, see, that's where that's the one that matters. All the other ones that don't, don't really matter. And, and that's why our rec center needs to be built because <laughs> it will get more people it, you know, to come in, you know, that's why we need, you know, and then we'll send missionaries to places that have already heard about Jesus and we'll pretend like they haven't. And, you know, we'll like raise a bunch of money so that, a bunch of white people can like go on a 
nice exotic trip and feel like they did something and then come back and be like, I learned something. And it's like, yeah, you did learn something. Nobody needed you over there. And, and if you wanted to help those people, you could have just gave money to the local organizations there instead of spending all this money flying on a plane that's destroying our environment. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't they didn't lose their photo op with the black kid, so we can't Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. They would always like get on stage at the end and be like, you know, in a way, I feel like I got more out of it than even the local kids did. <laughs> it's like I bet. Yeah, it was always that. the kids know. that like dude the ones that always drove me crazy because i always like worked when i was a kid and uh i always it always cracked me up how like the kids that always went on the missions trips like every year were the ones that didn't work and they would have to like raise money from the church like they would ask for offerings right. and stuff people to sponsor yeah. them for their trip to guatemala you know guatemala or costa rica or whatever i did it I did it. I did that. I wrote a letter to family members and other church members so that I could go to Israel. How many but souls all it did was you was win? Just, I, got to, I got to go to Israel. I didn't win any souls. Dude, you and Sam <laughs> are tied. a great vacation for me. <laughs> yep. And I'm so happy that people did that and I was able to go because I there's no way I was going to pay for a trip to Israel by myself. But like, What? Yeah, come on. My, my mission's trip was to Jamaica, and we stayed on like the beach. Oh my god! Then, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a res- It wasn't a resort. It was like I love it was a it. nice place, but it was like you—you you didn't have to be nice on the inside. You'd sleep in there, and then you just like chill out on the beach, nice right. grassy area, Our, super private, yeah. gated. Your and, mission uh, trip like, at the Wyndham. We did we did a, a VBS at a, a, a church in the area. A VBS because only did you do like one day of like hard labor? We d- never did hard labor. We went to never? an orphanage <laughs> one day. Went to an orphanage okay. one day. The rest of the days it was VBS, and because they they needed, I think it was they they needed uh, high school white kids to run that VBS for some reason. I can't remember why. <laughs> well, of course, like, I mean, of course, <laughs> it was really. Who else could I do mean, <laughs> who else would be qualified i know I, I mean you don't get more qualified than being a white high school kid tra- taking a plane to jamaica so that way you can i mean Let's... the cbs was it was like all it was it was like little it was all like mostly little kids and they're just I like am a C- <laughs> yeah. i am a ch that's what all you were doing you're teaching the kids those songs and you're yeah. like an anomaly i'm in the lord's army yes sir come on they showed that they showed that uh, I think they played that song like that was one of like the songs they played in like the trailer of G- uh, Jesus Camp and I remember like friends from my college would be like oh my goodness did you see that and I was like I sing that song baby <laughs> <laughs> I may oh, never yeah. march in the infantry <laughs> dude we need to have like a, a VBS sing along and just rehash all of oh, like yeah. the horrible old songs like did you guys sing that one about obedience that was like obedience is the very best way to show that you believe <laughs> no. that was a good one that i haven't heard that's maybe amazing that, was, I love that it. was a holistic baptist song maybe got it <laughs> oh my god uh man but yeah john i thanks so much for hanging this has been a yeah, man. blast i really, really appreciate yeah. you sharing your story and uh, you this has been a good time 
So yeah, it was, it's totally worth the phone call I'm going to get from my parents in approximately one to two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about when this will. That's about when this will. <laughs> Some people's parents just ignore that it exists. You know, I mean. Yeah. No, that is. Pro- I mean, yeah. The, we're, we're, this is what my mom will. Do. My mom will be like, "I heard the podcast," and I'll be like, "Cool." And then she'll be like, "All right." And now she's going to be like, "I heard you say I heard the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> should be like are you still addicted to porn yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i'm married now everything's okay <laughs> oh, my god. oh my god yeah it's great to meet yeah. you man and uh yeah you know do you have a do you have some things you want to shout out tell people what you're up to right now sure i mean uh if you like listening to podcasts if you like movies i host the movie podcast called Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood. Uh, it's on Apple, Spotify, all the where you get your podcasts. We just talk about movies of leading black actors in the context of race and diversity in Hollywood. Uh, but it's also funny because we're all funny people. So it's not it's not like going to just shame you for being white. Um, and then <laughs> I know people are concerned about that. I heard people going, uh-oh. And then uh, you can follow me at John Braylock on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, and if you haven't seen... Uh, and you, there's no way you have. Um, the, I have a sketch show called Astronomy Club, the sketch show on Netflix. Uh, so you could check that out. It's a fun show. Which is fantastic, by the way. Um, I, I I watched the entire thing straight through and thought it was hilarious. And then um, Thank you. two days later, I had a friend come over and we were we were talking. He hadn't seen it. And we just sat down and watched the whole thing straight through and I laughed just as hard the second time. So dude, the one, the skit where you, it, it was like rehab for magical black people. In oh movies. yeah. Yeah. And there's like the lady in the wheelchair or something. She's like, isn't anybody going to heal me? And they're like, not today. <laughs> you have that, that your uh, resting cream face it. sketch killed me. Yes. Uh, that was thank a, you. Thank you. <laughs> I was dead, man. I could. Yes. So, yeah, everyone definitely <laughs> check out that show. It's fantastic. If you watch it and don't laugh, then you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Got to laugh at one. I mean, there's at least <laughs> one sketch in there for you to laugh at. I'll yeah. be honest. There were times where I was watching it. And I'm like, I don't know if this one's this one's. Yeah, I don't this know one's this not for me. me. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, it, it, it I, to be honest, I, I mean, I, mean right. I felt the same way. I there are certain sketches I was like, I don't know why other people think this is funny, but. You know, one of my group members does, and here it is. You know, I mean, <laughs> other people are like, "That's right my favorite sketch." Yeah, no, I'm like some of this. I'm like, is this is this seems like it's like going. It seems like I'm too much the wrong, like I guess culture. I'm too white. <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I think that wasn't for white people. Like for me. sure. Oh yeah, yeah. There are definitely there are definitely some like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like it's but like it, me trying to show my dad a Tim and Eric video. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like giggling and he's like, I don't I don't understand. So he just sits on people's laps like I don't get it. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah guys uh thanks for listening and we will check you next time.